where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. I got to give you your props today, buddy. No audition, even for a second. You were ready, buddy. I got to, you know, we talk about with the uh, the basket, the men's basketball team at least. Like, you want to call out improvements and such. I got to give you your props, my man. You were we're better than we were at the beginning of the season. I'm impressed. Oh, well done on that. Appreciate it. It's still it's still year one though. So hey, you got to remember that. <laughs> That's right. It's, negative, year one. it's year negative two. So hey, take your time with it. You get get where you want to be. You know. We got a lot uh, that we will get into here throughout the show. Just going to be me and you uh, for a while, then me and Spencer for uh, for a little bit today. But we got our typical full show on Thursdays. We'll talk uh, with Elliot uh, at the end of this hour. In particular, I want to talk uh, to Elliot about something that I think is of interest to a number of people, and that's about Tyler Shook and his injury history. Uh, and the fact that I think Louisville really is counting on him to, at least at first, uh, be the guy at quarterback uh, for next year. But he is certainly a player that has had an injury history, uh, one that doesn't seem like it's really the result of anything other than, than bad luck. But uh, I do want to talk with Elliot uh, about him with spring practice going to happen here uh, a little bit down the road. And, and just look, a guy that's had three different seasons cut short by injury. Uh, I want to talk with him. Uh, about that so we'll do our normal thing uh with elliot and we will be back with uh with fat jack uh maybe trying to figure out some ways you can make some money on what should be i think some pretty entertaining uh conference championship games uh very different games uh and yet both i think equally intriguing uh ten i i feel like most people are looking at this like there's not really an outcome that would shock everybody like i think you can make a a really good case for for one team, either team, to win either of the NFC AFC championship games, and and you're not like there's not a prohibitive favorite to me in either one of them. Yeah, no, you're exactly right on that one because, of course, it's the number one seeded. Both teams are, are both conferences. The NFC with being the 49ers and the AFC being the Ravens, but like it's not like we're ever going to be calling the Chiefs the underdog, even though Vegas looks at them as an underdog. Like. It's always weird to have that plus money line with the Chiefs because, you know, it's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey. It's Andy Reid. It's all that. And then you got on the other side with the NFC, you got more of, 
you got a very talented team on all sides of the ball with the uh, 49ers and then the Lions. It's just, I think it's more of the people want it, I think, is why everyone's more excited about the Lions. I know I know, Maven wants it. I, kn- I really know he wants it. Uh, but, yeah, like what you said, like either way, no matter who wins, like it's not like it's unexpected, I guess you could say. Yeah, they've all four been good and been viewed, I think, as contenders all year. Uh, and the the result of some deliberate processes with all of them, uh, and the teams are relatively healthy. Certainly, with uh, it looks like with uh, with Debo Samuel, one of the things that I have enjoyed about the Lions getting over the hump, even though it came at the expense of the Bucks uh, last weekend, uh, is learning for the first time who exactly are the celebrity, the relatively speaking celebrities that like the Lions. Because up to this point, there's been absolutely no reason at all to know what which celebrities like the Lions at all because they don't go out of their way to be there or anything uh, at any of these games. And they don't make these games like national broadcasts or anything, so we don't ever find out. I think we knew, what, Eminem? I think we knew about that one. My go-to uh, is always uh, Tim Robinson of I Think You Should Leave, the Netflix show, because I've been following him for a couple of years now and like he's seen the upbringing of Dan Campbell and it's always fun to just see their videos when they're on the sidelines at uh, Ford Field. Yeah, that's I did not know that one uh, about him, but I love that show and I love him. So I was hilarious to find that out. And I think I just saw uh, that uh, that Bob Seeger is a big fan. <laughs> A big really? fan of, of Detroit. I didn't see that one or did I see that one coming. I know Kid uh, Rock. That's another one. Yeah, I don't care about Kid Rock <laughs> yeah, at all. me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but a fan nonetheless. So learning that part of it, because I think we know a lot about uh, some of the other ones. And Look, everyone pulling out all the stops here. The, uh, the Ravens are going to have both Ed Reed and Ray Lewis on hand uh, for the game. This weekend, of course, the Chiefs are going to have Taylor Swift at the game uh, this weekend. The 49ers are uh, one of the most prestigious franchises in the NFL, and the Lions are the Lions. There certainly are kind of the odd man out in these conversations deep uh, this deep into the season, uh, but I think that, that that's going to make it a lot of fun. It might be one of those uh, situations, Tanner, where uh, we will find out if they know, if like if they're even too new at this to know what they ought to be worried about. I was going to say, yeah, like, it's like they they're the odd man out but it it's been like that our whole lives with the lions like the lions are always the odd man out they're always the they're always the the kid the kid you guys point at and and when you're growing up like laugh at him kind of thing like it's it it's weird to say that the lions are good and not only are they good they're in the nfc championship that's how good they are and like it for the rest of america i know that it's it's definitely head scratching to like say you were you just didn't watch football for the whole season for the past two years. The last thing you knew was the Lions were like three, twelve, and one. I think they got that weird tie in there. And then, like two years later, you're like, "Hey, 49ers are in the NFC Championship." Oh yeah, that's expected. Oh yeah, the yeah, Chiefs. That's what they do. Chiefs are in the Conference Championship. Yeah, that's expected. Ravens are in the Conference Championship. Okay, yeah, that's that that's expected. Oh yeah, the Lions are in the Conference Championship. What? Excuse me? Like I I'd, I'd, I'd call you a liar if you told me that two years ago. Look, and I would call you a liar if you had told me that this is how it would play out with Dan Campbell. So uh, pretty exciting. It does seem like overall that there is a trend in the NFL, uh, despite how much we all love passing, quarterbacks, throwing the ball and all that sort of thing, and the uh, what seems like kind of the the never-ending debate 
about how much you should pay running backs or, or if you should pay them really anything uh, at all, that we're, we are heading back towards more of an embrace of like physical football because even this version of the Chiefs this year, they run the ball like crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they won that game against Buffalo by I think really kind of forcing Buffalo to play a, uh, a style of play that I don't think they want to play. Uh, and even everyone, I think, kind of recognizes they they cheat and sort of use Josh Allen uh, that way. And I think now we'll talk a little bit later in the show about Harbaugh and uh, him going to the Chargers and what that means because he's certainly going to bring that style of play too uh, to there. And, and just kind of the overall state of college football uh, and college sports in general. I think college football and college men's basketball is real at an interesting time where there's a – there's a really heavy brain drain uh, going on in college football, in particular with Harbaugh going back to the NFL now. I was uh, looking at this, uh, just uh, thinking about big names in the world of college football in particular uh, and how much things have changed over the last several years. You think about college, major college football now and uh, the, the financial stakes almost always going up and larger college football playoff access for more teams and things like that. And just in the last five, six, seven years, we've had Urban Meyer get out of the game altogether. Get, you know, took a shot at the NFL, but got out of it altogether uh, and is doing TV. Jim Harbaugh, back to the NFL. And that's two guys with national championships. Nick Saban retires. That's a guy with a million national championships. Jimbo's out at A&M, but he is at least a coach that has a, a national championship at Florida State. Uh, Dan Mullen out. He's not in the same category with those guys, but that was you know a pretty clever offensive mind. He's out. He's working in TV now. Uh, the, there's a real brain drain. Of course, on the basketball side, you've had a number of enormous high-profile guys out uh, across uh, the landscape of college basketball. It's a, uh, it's it. We're at kind of a crossroads, but it it also means that there's kind of an opportunity for some new folks to step up uh, and some guys that maybe we could point at. Uh, as folks who will sort of be the next ones. Because you always have that conversation about, like, when a Coach K leaves or when now that Nick Saban, you know, has retired, like, who are these people that are going to sort of step up and become, like, the face of college football uh, in the future? Would I love it to be Jeff Brom? Of course I would. Uh, but it is an interesting question if it's just automatically uh, Kirby Smart or not. He doesn't seem to have, to me, like, the same gravitas that Nick Saban did. Yeah, no, I was uh, watching, who was it, Georgia basketball last night. I forgot who they played, but it was in Georgia. And just like, just to go off of the, your point of like, he doesn't have that like energy that like Saban has. They like had him on the court side and they like zoomed the camera in. It took me like 15 seconds to like realize, I'm like, oh, that, that's Kirby Smart. Like, he doesn't like, he doesn't give off that like, uh, what's the word? Like aura, I guess. Like, yes. Like the yeah. like the Nick Saban, like Nick Saban, like you could see the the halo above his head, kind of thing. Like that that's Nick Saban, but like Kirby Smart just looks like a normal dude, just on the with side with a child's like, haircut. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> perfect. Uh, but yeah, like just looks like a normal dude. Like he's got nothing like really like that. Like he's not out. the household name Nick Saban. Yeah, no, he's not not at all. But he's not saying he can't become that. He. Had, Two national championships in the last three years. Had another shot um, 2018 with our – was it 2018 2017 when Jake Fromm was a freshman? Uh, I would like to see if they did end up not starting Jake Fromm 
and letting Fields get the starting job that second year, even though, granted, I don't think Jake Fromm played himself out of that starting job at all during his two years with uh, Fields behind him. But, like, it makes me wonder if he could have gotten one with Fields as well because I think it was the year after Fields left, they went, played Texas in the Cotton Bowl. I could be wrong on the bowl game, but then they lost to Texas. And then you had... Justin Fields with like a broken ribs playing, beating Clemson, and then going to the national championship and ended up losing it. But it was, it's something interesting to think about. But yeah, no, Kirby Smart does just doesn't give off that that energy, the aura that Saban gave off, or like that um, Harbaugh gave off kind of thing. Like it's gonna be, it's definitely that brain drain, weird time of college sports right now that I think we'll get over, obviously, but. Well, some new names are going to emerge, yeah. uh, obviously. But I look, I, I think it's fascinating in, in this context, in, in a way to sort of bring it home, uh, to, to look at what Alabama football just did uh, in, in making their hire. Uh, we're talking about the most prominent college football program of all time, with the, with the possible exception of Notre Dame. And I would, I would say that in terms of success and the degree to which their success equates to life and death for the people that root for them, they are without question the number one most prominent uh, program in all of college football. That's Alabama. Their Hall of Fame coach retires, who has been more successful than any coach of all time uh, in when the program is at the, the healthiest it's ever been uh, and ever could be. But going into a new era uh, with some real challengers and challenges uh, in, in an expanded playoff field and in an expanded SEC, and when they hit the market for a new coach, when they needed to replace Nick Saban, they hired a guy who has been very successful for a super short period of time. Yeah. Like I, I wonder how often or I wonder how much people realize, look, Kalen DeBoer had Washington undefeated. In the college football playoff, they were really good a year uh, the year before that. They were atrocious before that, uh, and he had barely been a head coach at all uh, prior to this. Now, he's got a short, like, major college window. Don't get me wrong here. Uh, he's done other coaching. But in terms of just, like, the resume that a guy has in terms of length, just how long he's been a head coach, it is pretty shocking that Alabama went for a guy who, in terms of major college coaching experience, just a couple of years – and, and apply that to the discussions that we are having kind of prematurely, but I think we just feel like it's a matter of, of time, uh, and the discussions that we're going to have about Louisville's coaching job uh, and who we're ruling out, who fans rule out in their minds. Uh, because I see it. I know, Tanner, I know you see it too. We hear it in the uh, callers. We see it in the show text line and tweeted out our social media accounts and such. You know, there are people who are very dismissive of guys with relatively short head coach resumes uh, because of because of how things have gone with Kenny. I mean, with you know, yeah, yeah, if we can bring it back to Kenny, of course. But with like with the Boar, uh, he was the OC and quarterbacks coach for Indiana for not too long. That like Washington kind of would be considering taking a gamble on the Boar, and it, as we can see, it perfectly worked out. So. He was a f head coach for the first time in 2020. Oh wow! All right. I thought it was like Fresno 20, State. Two seasons of Fresno State. Or 2018. So two seasons of Fresno State. Two seasons at Washington. Follow Nick Saban. 
That's the that's the ascendance as a head coach. And I can't help but wonder, like, I wonder if Louisville fans are even willing to entertain a somebody with just as short of a head coaching resume as the possible next coach. And and at the, the reason I'm asking that is, like, I don't know that Alabama could have obviously done a lot better. Uh, it's pretty clear that they talked with, with Dan Lanning and Steve Sarkeesian, and I think that, that they probably preferred those guys first. But in Dan Lanning's case, that's an even shorter head coaching resume. Yeah. Uh, but familiarity with the program uh, and familiarity with the SEC. And, of course, Sarkeesian, uh, uh, that one I think made more sense, and I think that they in most years he probably would have gotten the job. But – got things set up the way that he wants it there. Uh, Louisville fans are going to be in almost exactly the same position just a couple of months from now. And it, it just might be that the perfect or the best hire, at least, is going to be somebody with a very similar resume. And I think we're just, I hope that people are prepared for that because if there's one thing that, I, that was bothersome about and, and probably contributed to or added to why we've ended up here uh, – is the number of people who were not enthused by almost any candidates last time that probably, well, that certainly would have done a better job than has been done the last year and a half. I mean, there were, there were people who wanted nothing to do. Uh, I can remember, I, I'm not saying they should have hired Steve Forbes last time. I just, I like him. I'm not even advocating for him to get the job this time. I just think he would do well here. That's all I've ever said. But it was simplistic things like, he couldn't even beat Chris Mack. Chris Mack's last year, they still beat Wake. That was early in his tenure at Wake Forest. Things like that. We can't do that. Like I don't. I, don't, I hope that fans are prepared to, to endure a, a more substantial coaching search, but be open to maybe a broader category of people. I think probably the only thing that's going to matter in the minds of almost everybody is that this time, it's got to be somebody who has been a head coach for a while. Doesn't have to be for a time. long time. Yeah. But what we're definitely not going to do is any on the job training this time. No. Now, I don't think there's any appetite for somebody who's not been a head coach before. But if Alabama can hire a guy who's only been a head coach for four seasons, I think Louisville can too. Yeah. You're not wrong. I think, it, it hypothetically speaking, like getting a guy that maybe it's head coach for a year or two is still an upgrade over what's going on currently, but I'm not saying that they're going to do that. Obviously the sample size has to be a lot, lot, lot bigger with bringing in a head coach here. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who, who we look at, who we talk to, and hopefully we bring in someone that obviously has a large sample size, and maybe is a little bit on the cheaper end because there's a lot of money that is being spent around on people that aren't even currently employed here. So, well, that won't persist forever, thankfully. Yeah, yeah thankfully. Uh, the 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 payouts, uh, buyouts uh, for other people, thankfully, uh, that uh, is not going to persist uh, forever. Uh, I do think we should address a, a couple of things. Uh, the first uh, here is that I don't think that the, there's anything being done to save money, like purely to save money. I don't think that they're sitting there waiting for a certain date to pass uh, in order to save that $2 million. I don't think that that works. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they can afford to do that in terms of the way that it works with the calendar, you know, and that, that sort of thing. 
I, I don't think that that's happening at all. But I also don't think I've, I've heard this a little bit. Uh, I know that there is a real concern uh, with coaches getting raises out of the Louisville job being open. And I, I think that that's kind of just the cost of doing business uh, and being Louisville. Do I want Louisville to overpay uh, for whoever it is that they might hire next? No, of course, uh, I, I don't want them uh, to do that. But I don't think any of us talking about candidates in any way drives up the cost of any of these guys because we're not like we're not involved in this this process at all in the like th there's nothing that any of us are going to say or divulge uh, or or have opinions about or argue for or argue against that's going to change how much it's going to cost to hire any of these guys and i hope that nobody thinks that that's the case uh, and the the, uh, the like sort of the last little just little piece that i wanted to throw in here before we actually talk about some things like the Virginia game coming up or these conference championship games or a million other things. Uh, none of us know what Josh is thinking. And I would just, uh, I would caution anybody from believing anything anyone says uh, who talks with any kind of a, a firmness that they know who Josh likes, who whatever list he might have, uh, what he's going to do one way or the other. Uh, it's frustrating to me and us who would just really like some some idea of what's going to happen. But I think I can say this with certainty. We never had any idea what he was going to do with Scott. We, never. We never had a clue uh, how those conversations were going to go. And go back to the hire of Kenny Payne. We repeatedly said, and this was before he was even permanent, so this was a process that he had to include other people in. I would imagine the circles are even tighter uh, this time. We never heard a thing. We never heard one thing about who interviewed or when, who was interested or not. Uh, you, Everything everyone got was really secondhand. It was very indirect. It was from people who maybe knew candidates, but stuff out of the athletic department uh, again it doesn't make our life very easy and i don't know if it'll stay this way forever but i think josh deserves a lot of credit for the fact like he keeps that circle tight and they respect him because we don't hear anything like we don't hear yeah. a thing about how he feels about any of this that exactly how i remembered i just remembered like all right we don't have a head coach and then few weeks go by oh Kenny Panzer coach like it was just no news was breaking about like potential candidates yeah there was the Bruce Pearl thing and then that died down with like an extent a massive extension from Auburn University two days later it's it was very under wraps credit to Josh Hurd because if I'm an AD too I wouldn't want my the business of what's going on being open to the public as much even though yeah we are in sports media so we we would like to know but at it, being in the shoes of an AD, yeah, I wouldn't want many people to know what's going on behind closed doors kind of thing. Also, we had a caller. I didn't get his name. He just wanted to give you the uh, fact of, like you were saying, the small sample size of Kellen DeBoer. He said he was a three-time NAIA national champion at University of Sioux Falls. Just wanted to let you know because the caller was very nice and was like, just let, just let Ennis know, so. Oh, I, listen, I, I'm aware that he is extremely successful. And by the way, extremely successful in the few years that he's been a head coach. 
uh, at the major college level, but it has only been a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, th- that's look. If you look at the results, yeah, Sioux Falls he was spectacular, and his results as a major college coach, Fresno State, uh, Washington, uh, one hundred and four and twelve. Just that, that, that's, 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 that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome, man. Uh, just a spectacular uh, coach. He's three NAIA championships uh, in his time uh, there at Sioux. Like he's been a fantastic coach, and I think he's going to do better at Alabama than people uh, maybe realize at first. It's just not much of an insult uh, to say that, however good he's going to be, he he won't be as good as Nick Saban. And I just feel but, like that. I feel like that's a safe and okay and thing to say. It's not negative at all. Like, Correct. oh, you're not going to be Nick Saban. What? What's wrong with you? No, nothing's wrong with that. It's Nick Saban. No one's Nick Saban. I hope. I hope there's not another Nick Saban because I like competitiveness in the college football world. Well, the right. But it's the, still. In, it's going to still be Alabama at the end of the day. They're still going to get some recruits. Yeah, there's some people leaving, but at the end of the day, it's still Alabama. It's still the SEC. They're still going to get. Good, good, good talent. Yeah, it's just not automatic at those places. I do think it has been interesting and will be interesting to just watch them go through this process of trying to figure out what things that became synonymous with Alabama and its success and all that sort of thing uh, were the result of what our job is and just like what the school is like and, and, and what they have going for them. And then how much of this was because of Nick Saban oh, yeah. and, and, and the delusion here's the thing like the fan delusion and the institutional delusion that will be very painful for them to deal with uh, is is if they overstate how much they think is is to be credited to Alabama uh, and instead of recognizing the things that Nick Saban did at a level that almost no one else has ever done uh, and how much of that they're going to need to try to replicate with other people instead of just being able to count on one dude doing that and also you might just have the naked realization you're gonna have to try to compete like the rest of us now that sounds awesome let's talk about Louisville basketball quick before we take our first break here Bob welcome into the drive and I the ball on a Thursday buddy what's up well hey guys a uh, nice rainy day you know it. uh here in Louisville hey uh you were talking about the uh, Louisville head basketball coaching position that I hope we will be looking for somebody for um, the uh, the the I guess the coach that I'm look I'd be I hope Josh Hurd is looking for would be somebody that uh, you know has got head coaching experience I think you got to do that uh, but also has experience in in the new day of recruiting and that is going after kids in the in the transfer portal uh as well as utilizing nil because i think that's that's going to be critically important in them getting somebody quickly uh or or getting getting us up to snuff and successful quickly uh, and I mean that—that's the thing we hear. Josh will go after Jay Wright for him to do that, and I don't think that would work because Jay Wright wanted to leave the industry when NIL and transfer portal kind of got uh, too much. That he didn't want to do that because the times have changed in college basketball. And then the other thing 
um, you know, I guess I I listened to too much or read too much on the message boards. Uh, but have you heard anything about uh, Junior Bridgman uh, possibly uh, pushing to keep Kenny Payne for a third year? Uh, that would be just horrible if that were to happen. But I know he's a big, uh, uh, you know, a big part of the of Louisville and a financial backer and somebody who, uh, you know, is has been in Kenny Payne's, uh, you know, uh, a big supporter of him. And, it, you know, to give him another year would just be horrible. Anyway, just wanted to see what you're all thoughts yeah. about are that. Well, let's let's answer all those questions on the other side here because we're due uh, for our first break here. But we can get to to just about all of that uh, and do a little bit of a uh, a freewheeler here today. We can answer some questions uh, from folks out today if you've got them. So we'll take that one on the other side here on the drive on Ninth and the Ville. Be right back. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis here on a Thursday. Just very briefly, we had uh, had a quick discussion a while back about Dino Babers. Uh, and I, I think I was trying to remind everyone that there was a short period of time before Louisville hired Scott Satterfield that it was reported that uh, Vince Tyree was a fan of his. And I said that I am, just as a personality. Uh, I'm not advocating for him or anything. Uh, out at Syracuse, he was just hired as the offensive coordinator at Arizona now for Brent Brennan, who's going there from, from San Jose State. Uh, he is heading back out there uh, to be the offensive coordinator there, and I'm sure we'll get back to more of the uh, – the air raid, Baylor, uh, Art Brylesy kinds of stuff that they did offensively uh, when he was a more successful head coach. Because at Syracuse, boy, they made a lot of lemonade out of a lot of lemons of having crummy quarterbacks and, and not a lot of depth uh, in his time there. Uh, so Dino Babers heading to Arizona as the offensive coordinator. Before we took the break, uh, we had a question that was asked about uh, rumors that get uh, perpetually sort of thrown around. And I think I understand why this is happening uh, with with people just wanting to know if there's any truth to it. Like, it seems like I'm constantly being asked about uh, the idea that, like, some sort of decision has already been made that there's definitely going to be a year three of this with Kenny. And I have to say, I don't 
believe any of that. I, I really hope it's not true. <laughs> I've, well, right. And I, I, I don't believe any of it. I have yet to hear anything from anyone remotely credible uh, th- that there's anything like that. I think if it was even possible, it would be silly for Josh to have already decided that uh, at this point in one way or the other. I, but I don't think that, and I, I don't, I don't think that not only is, is Josh not entertaining that I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think it's definitely not going to happen. I just don't, I, I don't, I doubt I seriously. Think Kenny thinks it's going to happen. You can tell by, I it mean, certainly it, seems that way Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, and he's not doing the uh, media availability uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'm look, as soon as I sort of pound my fist that that's on purpose, there'll be some perfectly reasonable explanation. I've done this long enough to learn, uh, so I'm not going to, but he isn't. Uh, and so we really haven't had much of the uh, either of the weekly media availabilities like we've had before games typically with him. Uh, he just did the ACC coaches teleconference, and Danny Manning is doing it uh, tomorrow. But the question in particular was asked about Junior Bridgman and the idea that there's like this evil cadre of uh, of wealthy people who are are just sort of determined to stick everyone with Kenny, whether they're any good or not. Uh, and there's just, there's, there's nothing to that. He had advocates coming in. There's no question. A lot of them, uh, but there's just, there's nothing to that. Junior didn't get to where he is uh, by, by flushing money and uh, ha- having irrationally supporting things that aren't working. Junior's not a dumb person. Uh, he's an extremely good person who cares a lot about U of L uh, and puts his money where his mouth is. I don't, I've, th- there's nothing more than I think people's fears there uh, that there's other things are going to drive this decision uh, than, than what matters most, which is, are they good? Is this a good representation of the, uh, the university to the outside world? And is it financially feasible to keep this going? And I think we all know at this point, it's really not. Uh, I know there was a WDRB article about some forums about downtown to to the point that it's it's about revitalizing downtown, which seems like we're always talking about that in every city I've ever lived in. They're always talking about revitalizing a downtown. Uh, but Louisville basketball, men's basketball, not being as good as it typically has been, does have uh, financial ramifications for downtown. I don't know how much that should matter in Louisville's decision making, but it's not nothing. Uh, but again, I, just globally speaking, I've yet to hear anything from anyone that I think really is participating in those discussions uh, or would know uh, that gives me any reason to think that they're uh, in any way entertaining bringing him back. Certainly nobody like that they have decided to do so. But I understand why everyone is so jumpy. I understand why everyone is so incredibly jumpy uh, about it. But I, I, I just – there's not a world in which I foresee that happening. Outside of them going on the most absurd major league kind of run uh, down the, uh, the rest of this schedule and you get some sort of uh, just absolutely crazy uh, run through the ACC tournament and they're in the NCAA tournament and it's a Patrick Ewing at Georgetown kind of thing. Short of that, there's, no, there's, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And so to answer Bob's question, I've yet to hear a thing that I consider worth any sort of substantial time uh, about that. The people over there are smarter than that. Uh, I would just ask you to this. They were not even willing 
to give Scott Satterfield a raise when he was the coach uh, in order to keep him after middling results. Now, I know that it, they didn't fire Kenny after one season, which would have made a lot of people happy and would have been justified. But there's just nothing that these, these folks have done that would make me think that they would, they would do something like that. There's nothing uh, that, that they've done that would make me think they would want to bring him back. Uh, and they're not making the case for it. Like, let's be totally realistic here. Uh, outside of Kenny saying this is year one in his mind and his mind only, which, again, would love to, in a, not, like in a post-game setting, be able to ask him what he means uh, by that. They're not playing all the freshmen as the starters and trying to build something for the future. They're not loading up on recruits for next year. The, the typical things. They're not even he's Kenny's not even making big promises about like I know like he's not he doesn't even talk like I know this is going to get turned around just have like he doesn't even sort of exhort people to believe him and have faith in sort of what they're doing at this point. So like I don't think anyone's at behaving either in what they're saying or what they're doing like they think that there are years of this to come another year of this to come. So for me I'm not I'm not concerned about that at all. Yeah, I just struggle. Like, if they were to give a year three to Kenny, which again we don't think is going to happen. Like the Yelp Center is already bare every single night that they're playing. It would be a ghost town even more so next year if there was a third year of this nonsense. You know, it's funny that you say that because the last couple of crowds have been better. Like they really have been better. The Duke crowd, there were more Duke fans. I don't know if there were more Duke fans than usual, but obviously the proportion of Duke fans in the arena was was higher than usual, so I could hear them. Uh, but I don't know that there were more. But I, I almost feel like Louisville fans have kind of hit this tipping point where it's like I can't stay away. And it, for a lot of people, it's not. it doesn't seem like it's even about supporting or not supporting or even being there to protest or anything like that because I haven't seen – to you all's credit, I have not seen bags over the head and booing and throwing stuff or anything like that. Really haven't seen hardly anything uh, like that. And the crowds have been back up, even though the, they beat Miami and haven't played well since. Uh, the last couple of crowds have actually been just the tiniest bit bigger. And I really do feel like Louisville fans are like, I want to register my, my disappointment here, but I really, like, this is what we do. We go to basketball games. And I, th that's why, to me, I remain thoroughly optimistic about the future not about the rest of this season but about the future the minute this fan base gets a thing to rally around they will rally all right we'll change gears here for just a little bit talk with our guy elliot mattingly from court physical therapy here like we always do on a thursday elliot how is everything going buddy you doing all right just uh enjoying a nice day driving in the rain so uh not the most enjoyable, but uh, it's all right. I'm talking to you guys now, so it's good. Ella, just was personal curiosity level here for something like this. I was laughing with my kids because the last time we were all in the car and me taking them to school, it was like 60 degrees cooler than it is today, uh, where it's kind of gross, but not not even really cold, uh, but but rainy and ugly. Uh, but when you from week to week, say football players, that sort of thing. Uh, who all played in hilariously like sub-zero temperatures a week ago or two weeks ago uh, to where maybe you're going to play a game in the 50s or the high 40s and, and rain. Is there any danger in just sort of the the 
temperature changes that much? Any kind of concerns or worries about the, the effect on the body for that sort of thing? You know, I wouldn't think so. That's, I, I don't really have anything to back that up. But the only thing is, like, you might just be a little bit overly excited when it actually feels nice out there. And uh, maybe maybe you don't warm up properly just because you're like, it feels amazing out here. I don't have to do anything like I did last week. And that might be it. But, you know, it's funny. We always had a debate about some of these temperature changes that we're seeing. And, you know, I have one uh, clinician who's like, he wakes up on today, it's like 60 and rainy. He likes this weather better than 20 and sunny. Where I'm like, I'll take 20 and sunny all day long. And I think about it like as an athlete perspective. Like if I'm, if I'm out there playing a game and it's 20 and sunny, like that ain't bad. You know, I can go out there and I can play and I feel pretty good because I'm moving. I think any like 60 and below and rainy, I think that's just miserable. So I don't think, you know, that the temperature is still going to be that different to where it would cause some issues with some of these players uh, from the changes week over week because it's like a wet cold and it still doesn't feel good. All right. I wanted to ask you, uh, Elliot, this week about Tyler Shuck coming in uh, to Louisville, and he's one of these guys that you and I have had talked about that category, that wonderful category of people, uh, and that's guys who are injury-prone. But not yeah. like the same injury. He's had others and not what we've uh, it sometimes gets called like soft tissues. We're not talking about a guy that's torn ligaments or sprained ankles or anything like that. We're talking about a guy who has broken his collarbones uh, and, uh, and a broken leg uh, and some really mm-hmm. some terrible, terrible injury luck. I mean, you look at him, he's not a, an enormous guy, but he's tall, lanky. Uh, he's the kind of guy that's knowing his injury history. When I watch his highlights, it makes me nervous when he runs. Uh, and that's that's the guy that Louisville's going to count on uh, at least at first, you know, to be the quarterback for next year. Uh, for a guy like that, you know, who had the the leg injury in particular, uh, and you're hoping that he's going to be fully ready to go by by spring. What do you what do you think Louisville's doing with someone like that who's had that kind of injury bad luck, if at all, uh, to try and make sturdiness and, and sort of durability that sort of thing a, a little bit more of a sure thing with him? You know, I think you kind of said it in your description because there are some injuries that, yes, it's more like a recurrence and, like, you just, like, think back to Steph Curry 10 years ago, ankle sprains. Like, anytime he would he'd say, like he would step on the foul line and he would sprain his ankle because of that. Like, it just seemed like no matter what he did, he would roll his ankle. And that is more of a rehab strength. What do we do to prevent that injury? And he's been, obviously, that we haven't talked about that in years with him now, so he's kind of come above that. Now, this is different because this is – two separate injuries, is two broken bones that is, I mean, really falling at the mercy of 300-pound defensive linemen probably falling on him. And, and so what I like to do is think about, like, who else has been in this situation? He's got some pretty good company. Because think about, think about your Aaron Rodgers. You know, even outside of this Achilles injury he just had here, you know, he's, he's had a clavicle issues before. He's had some other uh, lower extremity issues. Um, Drew Brees, same thing, clavicle fracture labral surgeries. So having multiple injuries to me isn't something that says let's we just gotta write this guy off. Honestly I'm hopeful. I'm thinking Louisville's probably gonna get a steal because they're gonna other people are just saying they, they just look at the injury history like we don't have time to invest in somebody who's gonna get hurt. Like yeah, there's always a chance. But it's not like he caused any of those or he was at fault. It's just that was just the way it happened. So Honestly, I, I I don't think they do anything different. I, do you beef up that offensive line? That's I mean, <laughs> that might be it. Or or talk about like you know if, maybe maybe he had those injuries because if he's holding the ball just a little bit too long, 
or if he if he tucked it and tried to run instead of just going down. Like was it was it smart plays he could do to take care of his body that could have prevented those? Is he taking too many hits? Maybe that's a part of it. But really, from a, a therapy side, we just work on strength and, and like the mobility the best we can, and that's all. I think that's all we have to do. Now, in his case, the most recent injury that he missed the 2023 season because of it—a broken fibula, uh, mm-hmm. one of the, the the smaller of the two bones between the knee and the ankle there, so the lower leg there. Uh, yep. Uh, recovery from that. What are the the typical uh, nagging issues, if there are any, for an athlete like him in recovering from that? And it happened in September. So, how likely are we looking at it by the time spring football comes around that it's in any kind of an issue for him at all? It depends on the location of the fracture. So your fibula is that long bone on the outside of your leg. And it, yes, it's a really long and skinny bone, but it actually makes up the outside of your ankle. So sometimes when you like, if you sprain your ankle really bad, then you can actually have an ankle fracture, but your ankle fracture is a part of the fibula. So it could be down there. And sometimes, it's, you know, you just get a little bit stiffer uh, and lose a little bit of your range of motion after an ankle fracture, especially if you had to have surgery to, to fix it. Um, if it's up a little bit higher, more into like the middle part of his bone, um, then the same thing goes. Like, did they have to do any kind of fixation or like do like, you know, everybody talks about plates and screws. That's the fixation we're talking about. But you're probably not going to see as much of a limitation because it's outside of his joint. So when things are away from like that, that actual joint with a lot of mobility, it's a little bit easier of a recovery. And, you know, we're talking September and now we're in January he's probably already doing a lot. He's probably, you know, he's probably running and cutting and lifting weights. He might not be full yet, but by the time spring runs around, you know, he's going to be out there like practicing like normal. Is there anything uh, that he could, that they would want to work on or strengthen, you know, around uh, any of the areas? Cause gosh, we're talking about from the knee down. It's not like there's lots and lots yeah. and lots of muscle and stuff like that down there. Is there anything they, else they would, you think they would, perhaps be doing just to sort of uh, be extra precautionary with them? Well, there's a lot of these little muscles that are like your ankle stabilizers or they they turn your ankle to the outside or like help point your foot down. They all live on that outside of the leg. And so they're going to work on that strength and they're going to just work on its ability to, we talk about balance and control um, because you're not really beefing that up. You're not really trying to build a ton of strength. It's more of like, your, your body, your proprioception is one word we've talked about on here a couple times. Hmm. Your body's being able to balance and control when you have a disturbance. You know, so, you know, if, if, he, if he has, if, if he had this injury and he still has weakness around his ankle, then he, like, if he steps on somebody's foot or he does something, has an awkward cut, he could roll his ankle a little bit easier. You know, so that's the kind of stuff they're going to work on, but that's plenty of time to do that. You know, the reason he missed the season was because it fell in the middle of, towards the end of the season. If he does this at, at training, you know, let's say that team went on, he might be one of these guys that pops back up at the end of the year. You know, kind of just depends on, once again, the severity and if they had surgery or not. So definitely different timetables based on location and surgical intervention. But honestly, like, I, I think this is he's getting a second chance. Um, he's got a team that's backing him up and says, you know what, I know you've had these injuries, but we can work through that. That's no big deal. So I, I love it for him. All right, we've got AFC and NFC Championship games as we're talking with Elliot Mattingly from Court Physical Therapy coming up uh, here. Elliot, uh, Debo Samuel, one of the most dynamic players uh, in the NFL, one of the most uh, reliable players for the 49ers, explosive players, and they can use him uh, 
in a, all kinds of ways as both a, a receiver and as a runner, that sort of thing. So a big part of what they do, uh, and he's dealing with an injury to his shoulder. They've been, I think, pretty uh, candid about it and, and whether he'll be able to play or not. Uh, but I think like the last real, like he practiced a little bit, but earlier it was described as, hey, it's not broken. And yeah, I was like, well, that doesn't sound right. great, right? That isn't, that's not like a the green light or anything. But, you know, how uh, do we go from perhaps like it's not broken earlier this week to he practiced today, he'll probably be okay on Sunday. You know, it's funny. I think um, it, the way that I, like when I read that, I'm thinking he must have, he must have really had some pain. And they were just like, if he's in this much pain, something bad had to have happened. Mm-hmm. Like, he probably broke his, his arm. And I'll tell you, that's a really big bone and that's hard to break. And so, uh, like, I'm not surprised that it's not broken. I was surprised that they thought that. Um, but I just showed you the, the significance of that impact, like how hard that hit was. So, but he's had shoulder issues before. And, you know, and, and that kind of stuff can, it can make you almost a little bit more cautious and more leery. Like, when you have that, you're like, oh, no, here we go again. So I think that can play a component. Like, and, you know, he thought, like, you know what, it's, it's a tight game, but we're doing okay. I'm going I'm, I'm gonna to just wait it out. But, um, so I don't know. Like it's hard because they're not really saying what it is. They're just saying what it's not. But I think we all knew it wasn't a fracture when we saw it. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, he's he's coming back and practicing a little bit. But this late in the season, that is more important than practicing today. You know, right. it's it, it, like he knows the schemes. He knows he knows the lines. He knows what he's got to do. Like that extra day of practice is not going to get there for him. So I, I, I think it's a smart move. But you know, here's the thing. He's going to get hit in his arm again. It's you know it, it's it's kind of hard to hide from that. So what does that first hit feel like for him? That's where that's where it gets interesting. Are they going to give him something magical to where he feels nothing? I don't know. Like you know, you, you think a lot of times they do that in um, like certain joints or yeah. I, I I don't know how you do that if if it's truly bone pain. I don't know. I don't know if it's really going to do the job to do some kind of injection there. Um, but who knows? They they have a lot more stuff than we know about. That's for sure. I listened to, uh, Elliot, a, an interview with Calvin Johnson on Levitard recently where he talked about them just uh, inserting a giant needle into his knee to drain fluid uh, mm. out of his knee like that. And he said that the last time they did, he was like, I don't think I want to play football anymore. Like, it just. <laughs> and, and he said, like, I, th- I think I'm tough. I want to watch this. And he watched it. Uh, and he was like, I don't, th- I don't think I want to do this uh, too terribly much anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, he, he false, uh, he, <laughs> yeah well it seems to me if, if a lot of us knew exactly what these guys do to the, especially football what they have to do to keep playing the way that they do none of us would sign up for that right no that's exactly right like in theory it sounds good and they get paid a bunch of money but it looks good while they're doing it but then you see these guys later in their careers and later in life and it's like man they they're really hurting like this is you know that's, that's what jason kelsey's talking about like he talks about how difficult it is for him to recover. He's, what, 35, 36 years old. You know, so he's my age out there, and he's, he's talking about how hard it is for him to move and play with his kids. And, like, man, that's a, that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. So uh, I think, you know, and we've seen a little bit of a trend of people retiring earlier than traditionally would think and, and wonder if that's going to keep happening because you go out there and you're smart with your money. You get one – one contract that's not on your rookie contract, and then you get out. You're, I mean, your family's set for generations if you do it right. Yeah, you're right. Very quickly, uh, Elliot, you had mentioned uh, Frank Ragno, also the uh, offensive lineman for what uh, for Detroit. 
uh, who is playing through everything. Uh, everything. Just about ev- like sort of everything below like the neck uh, has had some sort of issue, it seems like, uh, with him. Uh, and yet here he is uh, attempting uh, to be out there. How in the world am I going to turn on the TV and see a guy out there with, I think, back, calf, and toe injuries and had a meniscus surgery this season? Yeah, and for his meniscus surgery, he only missed a week. So, you know, you asked me last week or two weeks ago about people playing through pain or any of that. And, you know, I gave you my, my PT answer of, like, hmm. you know, kind of, of course, it depends. But I'll tell you, this guy's probably, like, the athletic training and PT's, like, biggest fear. Like, I, I, I was texting you during the game last week, and, you know, I watched his, his knee kind of get swallowed up during a sack. And I was like, well, that don't look good because it almost looked like either, like, an ACL kind of issue or – a high ankle sprain, and it turns out they called it a knee sprain and an ankle sprain to go along with all of his other stuff. And then he came back, and I just texted you, he was like, big boys are tough out there. You know, and so it's uh, it's really incredible to see some of these people that can continue to perform because the thing that, if, as a PT watching it, outside of me seeing his injury, when I watched him come back and play, I didn't see any of that. Like, I didn't see any limitations from him. <laughs> so, like, he's not doing any compensation because if he's out there limping and doing some things, like that's not safe, but like I don't know. So it, it really, uh, it, it really changes my perspective, I guess, on that. And I, I just wanted to bring that up because we talk about playing through the pain, and what do I think? But as a fan, I loved it because I love seeing big boys get coverage. Oh sure. And, you know they talked about how how good of a of, of a center he is, and and really, I know this is I, I was rooting against the Bucks. I apologize, Mark. No, I um, understand. I understand. You, you know, like seeing the Lions come through, and, and you know. Getting to the championship is what I hope, mm-hmm. but maybe losing to Lamar. But, like, man, that, that talk about a team that needed that. Maybe the Browns are next. I don't know. I love an underdog story. And without their starting center, I don't think they would have done it. So uh, I was glad to see him push through. But then when I went through and saw his, his injury list, I'm like, I got to send this to Mark. Like, it's just in, it's in, in crazy. It's crazy. So uh, thanks for letting me share that. All right, Elliot, folks, uh, want to find out what core physical therapy can do for them, uh, NFL players or not. Where can they go? Give us a call at 1-800-645-COURT. Check us out at court.com. We'd be glad to help you out. All right. We'll talk to you again next week, Ellie. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, since, since we were talking about it, I did want to remind you guys with the NFL playoffs that the DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of these NFL playoffs, and they're bringing you an offer that's going to help make the playoffs that much more exciting. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game, and you're going to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So if you want to get in there and you want to do crazy stuff, like try to bet uh, – one of these uh, overs, uh, like, for instance, the Chiefs-Ravens total is 44-and-a-half. And I just feel like both of these offenses are good enough that they could probably exceed something like that. That seems awfully low. Uh, but you can do that sort of thing uh, if you wanted to bet on these games. Plus, everyone who does gets a no-sweat same-game parlay for every playoff game that's left. So we've got a couple of them here this weekend in the Super Bowl. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TheVille. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TheVille. The crown, <laughs> excuse me, it is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. you got to be 18 or older and physically present in Kentucky. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Opt-in is required. One, no sweat token issued per eligible day after opt-in. No sweat bonus bet issued based on the amount of losing qualifying bet. I always love that part. Eligibility, max rewards limits, and deposit restrictions apply. All these terms can be found at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football 
terms. Spencer does seem kind of odd for the the total for that one to be a little lower uh, than the other one, but we'll see. We'll talk about all of that here and more. We'll open up the phones uh, on the other side here before we talk about that stuff with Fat Jack at 430. So we'll take your calls, your text next here on the drive on 10 the ball. Be right back.